Hello, Gut Check Project fans and KBMD Health family. It's Eric Rieger and soon to be joined by my co-host, Dr. Kenneth Brown. It's episode number 44. And today we've got two fantastic guests from Brock Elite, David Roberts and John Gilday, PhD. They are here to talk about the benefits of sulforaphanes, the science, the clinical data, why these little bitty awesome molecules are actually anti-cancer and incredible for your health. Um, but guess what? Broccolite, their own brand, it's the only known stable source of sulforaphanes on the market here in the U.S. That's right. So if you're getting it from somewhere else, you're probably not getting activated sulforaphanes that are actually doing you any benefit. So join us. It's, it's, it's really, really an incredible in-depth uh, interview between John Gilday, David Roberts, and uh, Ken and I. So um, also, special dedication of this episode to my cousin Will. Let's move into today's sponsors, Autron Teal. Lovemytummy.com, lovemytummy.com. Get your own Autron Teal. My co-host, Dr. Kenneth Brown, knows a little bit about polyphenols, and that's why he developed Autron Teal, initially for bloating. It also is great for symptoms of IBS, but did you know, if you're an athlete, you need polyphenols every single day. And if you're not an athlete, guess what? You need polyphenols every single day. Protect your health, protect your gut. Autron Teal, lovemytummy.com forward slash KBMD. And of course, don't forget, do you like great food? Do you like to eat food that tastes awesome? What if you're on a special diet? What if you're keto? What if you are paleo? What if you can't eat normal bread? Go to unrefinedbakery.com. That's right, unrefinedbakery.com. Use code GUTCHECK and save 20% off of your very first order. They make incredible breads. If you're You've got to be gluten-free. It's fine. They make uh, desserts. They make all kinds of just fantastic tasting food. And if you have a special diet, they can make it safe for you. That's unrefinedbakery.com. Use code GUTCHECK and save 20% off of your first order. They deliver coast to coast. And, of course, go to kbmdhealth.com. Get your own CBD. Get clinically used and validated CBD where... Ken uses it in his own clinic with his own GI patients, KBMD CBD. You can find it at kbmdhealth.com. And you can also get the Biohackers package, which includes, guess what? Broccolite, Autron Teal, and your choice of CBD, whether it be cinnamon or natural flavor. So let's get on to episode number 44. Here are the men behind the awesome brand, Sophia Fane's Broccolite, David Roberts, and John Gilday, PhD. KBMD Health Family and Gut Check Project fans, welcome to episode number 44. This episode is very special because we have, as many of y'all know, with my co-host here, Dr. Kenneth Brown, he's only selected three products to be a part of his own store, Autron Teal and CBD, of course, which has his own KBMD CBD label on it. But today, we're actually only going to talk about one. And then, oh, it's not really out of shot there, so you can still yeah, see that. But this is, there we go. It's all about broccoli today. It's all about broccoli. These are stable sulforaphanes, and we are joined with David Gilday, PhD. No, David Roberts, John oh, Gilday. See, that's why, that's why I have a co-host. That's why he has me, <laughs> one of the two. David Roberts and John Gilday. John Gilday being the PhD for broccoli, and 
Welcome, gentlemen. Thank y'all so much for uh, for meeting us this afternoon. Yeah, it's great. You too. It's good to be here. Thanks for having us. So, John is, if you're looking at the YouTube, is the first voice that you heard in the purple shirt, and then David is the one in the button-up. So, hello, there's David. So, uh, Dr. Brown, you want to uh, take us into the foray here of introducing these two? Absolutely. So, we'll, the only reason why I have three products on my website is because it's three products backed by science. We do certificate of analysis and all these things. We were introduced to broccoli um, through Baby Bathwater Networks. And we had our first Zoom call many months ago where I have been so excited about sulforaphane as a supplement and finding out that these two brilliant men figured out how to actually make what I tell my patients is the world's first stable sulforaphane uh, developed in science and been able to show clinically and through laboratory testing that you can increase the NRF2 pathway. Now, you and I did a whole episode on NRF2 Definitely. in anticipation of trying to get these two guys together. Correct. Which, like typical entrepreneurs and typical PhDs, they got a lot going on. And uh, John did inform us, uh, I'm sorry, John, do you go by Dr. Gilday? Do you go by John? Do you just go by Dr. No, Broccolite? Yeah, my dad was a physician, so I, I, I'm fine with the PhD John. PhD <laughs> John. <laughs> old John. I'm not a physician, so yeah, the doctor. So when you write that, when you write PhD John, do people come yeah. out the waiting room and go, Paha John, Paha John, your appointment is now available. Great. Yeah, some 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 of my students call me Doctor John, but that's that's just them being kind of silly. Well, this is um, something that is not silly at all. And what I'm really excited to talk about is how you guys got here, how you guys got to know each other. But I know that we have a little bit of limited time with you as the PhD. What I want you to at least explain while we have some availability with you is why you decided to help uh, David develop this product and the lab that you have there. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, uh, at least the crux of it was that um, when uh, during a, a uh, commercial adventure that we were trying to do to, to figure out how to do personalized medicine, um, we had an arsenal of, of um, compounds that we, we would try. Um, by culturing the cells from you know, grown from the person who had the cancer, and then and then putting these you know, bevy of pharmaceutical compounds on the on the cells, and pretty soon after we um, uh, have been doing that for a while, sulforaphane kept on coming out really high on on the uh, on the list, and it's because it attacks a specific um, type of cancer, um, a cancer stem cell. And I know that's not even on people's minds right now, but um, that is the cell type that goes on to, to create metastasis. And um, we were all surprised that there wasn't a sulforaphane product out there. And um, so that combination of seeing this gigantic need um, working with people who had uh, these cancer stem cell driven, driven cancers, um, we, want, we, we knew that you, know, you could buy the $650 um, for five milligram uh, sulforaphane from um, from Sigma, but that you know one treatment would have been 
you know, twelve hundred dollars know, to, to give a person that. And um, so that was when we started uh, trying to figure out how to to make it and stabilize it. We grew uh, broccoli sprouts for a long time. Uh, got really good at that. Um, scaled it up enough so that we could um, uh, help help out one person at a time, really. But um, you know, from that we started down the journey of trying to figure out how to make it into a pill, because um, a lot of people can't can't eat, you know, the the cup of broccoli sprouts um, that's necessary to get the right dose. And uh, and so worked on that for a long time, and then and then figured out how to stabilize it. That was. So Jay, if, I, if, you, if you don't mind, just to kind of paint the picture here, if, if everyone's not caught up, broccoli derives its name because it's from broccoli sprouts. And it's elite because, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but you essentially have the only stable sulforaphane delivery system available in capsules. In other, in, in other terms, you can find sulforaphane, different uh, supplements, et cetera, on various platforms, some that rhyme or sound like a jungle, and they probably aren't the same or certainly don't perform actively like what we would find in broccoli. Is that correct? Yeah. So the, the, the sort of, I would guess the marketing hitch here is that um, they've recoined a, a, an old name. Um, the precursor to sulforaphane is called um, glucoraphanin. Correct. And so they changed the name of that to um, uh What's the sulforaphane glucosinolate? Yeah, So that is the new marketing term, okay? Because we're gonna talk. When when I tell my patients, the first thing that they do, I say, listen, I really think that for whatever reason, and I have a bunch of medical reasons why I want their NRF two pathway to go up. First thing they do is go. I went on Amazon and I found this sprout product that's twelve dollars, and I'm like, that's glucoraphanin, and then that takes me down a rabbit hole. Can you just explain really quick? why glucoraphanin is not the same thing as sulforaphane. Yeah, so glucoraphanin is stable. Um, it's, it's water soluble and it's relatively easy to isolate um, and um, has been available for a long time, but you have to convert it um, through an enzymatic reaction uh, in order to, to make um, sulforaphane, but then the sulforaphane is unstable. Um, so um, you can make it, all you want, but it's only going to stick around for you know a day or so. So you can't put it and bottle it and package it and get it out there. So that was that was sort of the magic is is making the stable sulforaphane. Then also along the way we were we were testing lots of other cruciferous vegetables and sort of the the added benefit was that we found um, that the process that we landed on actually stabilizes all the the um, Isothiocyanates. That's the the term for all of the ingredients in in these uh, cruciferous vegetables that are good for you. So, like in you know bok choy and and watercress and and cabbage, they all have their own individual um, combination of isothiocyanates. And so, um, we found in testing in the laboratory that sulforaphane and another isothiocyanate from um, watercress called PEITC act synergistically and we basically used the most stringent test that you can do in order to to measure for um, synergy which is dilute the dilute the uh, one compound sulforaphane until you see no response and then you you dilute the PEITC until you see no response
response. And then if you combine the two and you see a response, you know that it's synergistic. So actually the two primary compounds in our product act synergistically. So even if someone else had a sulforaphane stabilized product, ours is going to outperform it. That's awesome. So the the beauty of this is we're leading with the science first because we're going to spend the rest of the time talking to David about the history, how this all came to fruition and everything, which I find to be a very fascinating story. But it's a rare opportunity to talk with somebody with your knowledge about how you discovered to do these tests and which is what I, is just is so exciting to me that I could sit there and say, you did these tests first in a lab. So as you started to do this, did you have access to the lab immediately? Did you build anything as the business was being developed? Uh, how did you augment from a scientific standpoint, the whole process? To turn That's a good the, question. David we, probably we, filled yeah. that one in more, but um, we had a lab in my house. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really get really uh, not. Uh, which possible. that's actually, Eric actually makes propofol in his bathtub, and that's what we use to sedate our patients. So <laughs> we, we yeah. fully understand that. That's not true. That yeah. was a joke. <laughs> it does not state that on the permission slip. Uh, uh, we, we actually. Um, when we were doing, wanting to do personalized medicine and not the shotgun approach, uh, we purchased a decent amount of equipment um, we had, uh, in order to do cell-based studies. Um, and we did those, actually I moved all of my boys, um, my boys' playroom, they were uh, three and five. <laughs> and we moved their toys out and put the lab in the playroom, so. Uh, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, David. John, just real quick, and I, I know that uh, I just wanted to grab you before you left. But chemically, and speaking as a PhD, obviously, uh, the reason why you've turned to broccoli and other cruciferous vegetables is because of what they had inside of them, correct? And so, if people consume broccoli or cauliflower or Brussels sprouts, etc., they essentially are a part of that same family. But what happens specifically if someone were to want to eat them, whether mature or young as sprouts, and then whether they be cooked or raw. And then tell us a little bit why it's kind of an incredible discovery to be able to put sulforaphanes into something like broccoli. Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of papers that um, uh, delve into the, try to optimize um, getting the sulforaphane from broccoli, where you know they talk about how many minutes in, in a uh, in a microwave or or steamed for a certain amount of time and things like that and um, suffice it to say it's just a it's, it's a give and take so the enzyme that um, will create sulforaphane um, needs a bunch of cofactors for it and um, there's that forward reaction but there's also a reverse reaction and um, you're always in a compromise. So it's being created and it's being destroyed all the time. And, and sort of without getting into the specifics of it, we figured out how to um, make it only go to the right. And, and, and then afterwards, um, it's, it's stable. So in any time that you're eating um, any cruciferous vegetable, you have to um, crush it and eat it so that you're releasing 
the precursor glucoraphanin to get it in contact with the um, to the enzyme. Um, Are you referring to morosinase? Morosinase. Yeah, to morosinase. And, and then the problem with that is that as soon as you eat it, the, your digestion will destroy the enzyme. Okay. And that's the same problem with um, consuming a pill that has the enzyme and the precursor is that, you know, a good portion of that enzyme is destroyed because it's a protein and most proteins are digested in during digestion. So there's not much morosinase around to convert into uh, um, the glucoraphanin precursor into the final product. So, uh, yeah, that's the that's sort of the battle that everyone is is doing, and uh, um, you do get some, and uh, but it's it's that reverse reaction that's kind of really blowing it for everybody. Well, something that sounds really interesting to me is is that uh, I know from talking to you earlier that y'all basically put uh, put it to the test where we can theorize how things work in vitro, but y'all were able to deliver and use. Broccoli, and, and tell us about how you're able to actually test the levels of the bioavailability of sulforaphanes. That way we know that it's actually getting to where we want it to work. Yeah, I've read, <clears throat> at least I think I've read just about every paper out there on sulforaphane. I never saw a paper that actually shows that it's working in, in a person, you know, other than whatever the clinical study that they're using. And they saw, you know, changes in the clinical study. But the actual biochemistry test um, is to see that the NRF2, the active molecule, is to um, accumulate in a cell and translocate into the nucleus. So um, the test that we did was uh, we took just a normal dose of, um, of our broccoli product, and then in a couple of hours, we isolated cells from the cheek swab and then did beforehand and after after taking the product and measuring by immunofluorescence the accumulation of NRF2 in the nucleus and showed that the dose that's in our pill actually um, caused uh, an induction of NRF2 in, in cells in a person. And the nice thing about it was that you can take those same cells and do an in vitro assay in a dish and then put on the pure sulforaphane, you know, the $650 per gram, um, five gram uh, from, from Sigma, and then do the same, do a titration and say, how much sulforaphane at that cell creates this response? And actually the, um, the amount of uh, sulforaphane that was put on the cells, uh, five, mic uh, five micromole uh, produced the, the same amount as our, our oral broccoli that we took. So we actually know that the amount of um, sulforaphane that gets to the cell or the sulforaphane equivalent is at five micromole, which is an amount that has been shown in you know, thousands of papers to be functional. So in essence, they were able to show that they could activate NRF2 pathway. Yeah, so Dr. John, let me ask you, when you did these studies, and I, I know that you even tested yourself when you were taking it and you, Checked it. What was the time frame, like the um, the the area under the curve when it finally popped up, and you were able to show that? So I'm thinking from a gastroenterologist standpoint, where does it get absorbed? How much is broken down? That kind of thing. Yeah, it's been it's been a little while um, since I did it, but I think it was um, it was either two or four hours, two, two, two hours. hours. 
And um, uh, from the literature, you people have measured um, sulforaphane in the bloodstream. Um, uh, Fahey group has done it from serum a number of times and measured the actual molecule in blood. Um, and you know, its its peak is around uh, you know two to four hours. So we knew that that would be a um, a good place to to start. And so we saw a really robust response um, the first time we did it. And I don't remember if it was a Fahey article or one of your articles, but you did show that the second dose had a more, um, as you say, robust response. Can you look discuss the BID dosing? Yeah, so um, the notion behind that is really interesting. There's a number of mouse studies that show that um, you not only just get NRF2 induction um, through you know, the separation of NRF2 from KEEP1, so that it's, it's NRF2 becomes stable or it's blocked from being degraded. But one of the things that um, a lot of people don't know is that um, NRF2 uh, regulates its, its own gene product. So when you get NRF2 induction, it goes and turns on um, the transcription of NRF2. So it's a, it's, a, it's a unique molecule in that when NRF2 is turned on, it goes back to its own promoter and self-promotes. And um, even beyond that, uh, after you get this induction that stays on for as long as 72 hours, um, there's an even another level on top of that, which is epigenetic, which is kind of where the name of our lab came from. Uh, Episcutical Labs is it's an epigenic epigenetic. Oh, nice, yeah. That NRF2 stays on as long as, as much as six months after taking it for Can you, um, weeks. Did, just really quick, just explain what epigenetic response means. Yeah, so genetics is, um, in general, what you would think of as, um, say, you had a mutation in a gene and you get a phenotype in, in the DNA. Um, well, a lot of biology is actually um, created by the expression of the RNA, of the whole um, plethora of genes expression in, in sort of the orchestra of what a cell is supposed to do. And epigenetics is the maintenance of transcriptional on and off states of, of a cell. So you can change the, the on and off state of, of a whole bunch of cells for the long term after you, you know, stimulate sulforaphane for just a matter of weeks. So that's kind of one of the brilliant things about NRF2. So you had, um, we had discussed this and you used the term, I believe it was pleiotrophic we're describing because it almost seems too good to be true. But now when you say it's an epigenetic phenomenon, when you turn your NRF2 pathway on, there are lots of downstream positive effects that can happen. And do you believe it's the epigenetic phenomenon or is it just turning it on that the body then does the, uh, and it does so much. It's, um, you know, the NRF2 pathway, we did a whole episode on it because it is, it, it's something that nobody's talking about. You guys are discussing it on a cellular level, which is amazing, which is why I really like everything that you have done. You started with a lab, with the science, working your way back, and now it's become a product in a bottle that I can give to people. So the whole aspect of, am I saying it right, pleiotrophic, or is that the right? Yeah, pleiotropic um, is a term that we use to 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 cover this idea that NRF2 turns on uh, numerous classes of genes. 
So it turns on a whole bunch of um, genes that regulate detoxification, and it turns on a whole bunch of genes that are um, antioxidants. And then, um, yeah, there's there's numerous groups of genes, and um, and then inflammation as well. So NF kappa B. So being able to turn on those three different pathways that are all in all three of them are involved in many, 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 or maybe all chronic diseases um, is, is sort of the magic in the juice. And that uh, I think the other, the other aspect that a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, the reason that um, reactive oxygen species became famous was that, you know, it, uh, it did long-term damage and everyone knew that it was involved in chronic disease. Well, now in, in sort of hindsight is when you get hydrogen peroxide or a lot of these reactive oxygen species being turned on high, um, it, it uh, at times like viruses are known to turn off NRF2. So the actual um, thing that is broken that is causing the chronic disease in the first place is low NRF2. And then, so turning it back on obviously should, should help a lot of those states. And I loved how you described the whole, how you figured out that morosinase, the, the enzymatic pathway can go forward or backwards. Very similar, if there is chronic inflammation, it can shut down the NRF2 when really, when you have chronic inflammation, you got to figure out how to get that up to stop the chronic inflammation. So I have this discussion with my patients that have either the propensity for autoimmune disease or they have an autoimmune disease, and I try and explain it that I really would like a combination of a polyphenolic blend plus broccoli so that we can tip that scale back so your NRF2 can come up so that it's sort of the seesaw of that. So that's um, the way you describe the morosinase going back and forth. It's a fine line. And as a society, I feel like we're all chronically inflamed. Yeah, that's for sure. And that... Um that that balance that's going on uh, that's pretty well established in the autoimmune um, disease world is that there's there's some event that precedes autoimmunity and whatever it is whether it's you, you know have a season without sleeping or you have a viral infection or you, you're you know someone in your family died um, you know they're all manifest the same way they it's it's a, a genomic instability um, inflammation, um, you know, all these processes that are involved in basically every chronic disease progression. And uh, um, uh, what's interesting is those those exact things are the things that you have to address to, to reverse any chronic disease. So, um, you know, a good baseline to start from would be to activate your NRF2. And like you said, you know, probably just following it would be NF-kappa B and the inflammation. Interesting. I yeah, uh, two punch. One one quick. Uh, hopefully it's quick, but it may not be. Uh, there was a paper or a study that came out last year that uh, that Ken and I both ran across that talked about that some cancers try to essentially commandeer the NRF two pathway to basically kind of shield themselves from uh, from destruction, and that way they kind of hide. What kind of role would sulforaphane supplementation play in this where the NRF2 pathway gene or that, that expression is somewhat mutated? Is there, is there a role where sulforaphanes can basically return us or, uh, I, I don't know, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, I've thought a lot about that. Um, 
that role in general is, you know, the selfishness of a cancer. And um, as opposed to a normal cell, which is, you know, thinking globally, it's, it's, it's trying to protect the whole organism. That usurping of, of NRF2 uh, is, is basically, if you can ramp up your detox of a single cell, um, basically uh, the reason that that is, is such a bad thing is because you're throwing toxins at it to try and kill it. But if that cell is now robust, in that you know those it's it's an ant, you know detox machine at that point, then you know those toxins that that's how you define successful um, you know treatment of cancer is that cell is is not killed by the thing that you're throwing at it. That's how you define it. But basically, you know we haven't found a, a cell line yet that if you throw sulforaphane at it, it doesn't kill it. So. So that, that specific scenario that you're describing is very true and, um, and is part of the mechanism of cancer progression, but it isn't, it isn't this you know, holistic um, way NRF2 works in a, in a normal cell. So all the normal cells are gonna be fighting to get rid of that cancer as well. So you know, on both fronts, it kills the cancer and it's making the, the cells that normally are um, working against the cancer work better, your immune system, your support cells. Um, yeah. So, so essentially the, the, the cells that are not tainted are the ones who are able now to better defend themselves by having a, a stronger NRF2 that's not mutated. All right. Right. Yeah, and that whole, that whole business of, of, you know, uh, hijacking, uh, blocking the immune system from getting to the cancer. So um, is also another aspect of, of, you know, having a really brilliant immune system if you're trying to fight cancer. Sure. No, that makes sense. It's interesting because as I've been using this in patients, the uh, comments that have been told to me, so I'm trying to tell my patients, you've got, you're at risk for XYZ, cancer, autoimmune. And then I've had people come back and they purchase more because they're like, you know, it's really interesting. I'm giving it to my husband who has early dementia and he appears to be doing better with it. And I'm like, that's interesting. Okay. And then I can say, well, that would make sense from an, if you increase the NRF2, and once again, we're not saying that if you take a supplement, this happens, but we do know that if you can increase a pathway known as the NRF2 pathway, then this can do certain things. So I'm seeing success with my patients in neuroinflammatory processes, which is a lot of things. Um, I kind of got a giggle out, a, a, a little um, giggle out of this because I heard uh, David on a podcast and he was talking about uh, um, sleep and increased dreams. And I am a total believer in that. It's part of my sleep routine and I'm putting people on it for sleep. And I don't, ha I don't wear my aura ring anymore. I used to, but because um, now I just, uh, I, I wake up and I'm like, whoa, those are some cool dreams. Yes. <laughs> and so there's sleep. And I'm like, how in the world does that play into that? And then from a gastroenterology standpoint, I've got two patients that um, failed multiple rounds of heavy antibiotics to treat H. pylori. And then ultimately, I'm like, look, if you want to try something natural, and we do Atrantil plus broccoli, Atrantil is a polyphenolic blend that has some antimicrobial activity. And then broccoli, when I heard, um, who's the guy you just mentioned at Hopkins? The Fahey. Fahey. Fahey had discussed that they have done some research on 
directly with H. pylori. And I've got two people that failed multiple rounds of traditional antibiotics that are now clear. Okay, this is really cool. Like, this is some really neat stuff that's going on. And as I'm listening to you, I love it because although it may be um, it, it may be a little overwhelming for somebody hearing this where it's just like, okay, but I just want the public to know how much work and how much science went into it before it ever became a product in a bottle. And that's so commendable and so cool. Definitely. And, you know, um, you are, where'd you get your PhD? It was, it was a school uh, I've heard of. Johns Hopkins. Johns, Johns Hopkins. Is that, is that a junior college? What I, is that? I think they've, I don't know. I'm not really yeah. sure if they play football yeah, or not. I'm going to have to look at that. Do you guys have a football team? <laughs> <laughs> so you're oh, part of so, yeah. so you got your PhD at Johns Hopkins, which is no joke. And all the people that have done a lot of the research on sulforaphane, like Fahey, um, have done a lot of that. And when you were talking about the cost of stable glucose, um, of stable sulforaphane, even they admit that they can't do a whole lot of studies on it because it's just cost prohibitive. So what you've done is you've put lightning in a bottle and very impressive. That is so cool. And you guys continue to do research on this, right? I mean, thinking of synergistic molecules to put with it, that's nuts. Yeah, so definitely uh, always, always marching forward slowly. Um, and, and definitely that target of NF kappa B is a big one. And, we have our, our list of uh, compounds we really want bioavailable. So, Just really quick, you've said NF-kappa B a couple times. Um, we hear about NF-kappa B when it comes to inflammation, and certainly in this uh, pandemic that we're in, NF-kappa B plays a big role. Can you just explain what NF-kappa B does downstream? Yes, NF-kappa B is the, um, it's the master regulator of inflammation. So... Um, Inflammation is important in um, uh, fighting fighting uh, a uh, you know your bacterial invasion. Um, you get you you recruit your um, entire immune system to to attack a site and and take care of an infection. Um, the problem in the chronic disease uh, state is that you get an uh, kappa B um, induction which leads to this um, cytokines released. And so even though there isn't an infection in this chronic um, inflammation state, your immune system is going and, and, and invading that organ. And so um, the way the immune system uh, works in that, in that case is it does a lot of damage, just does bystander damage, um, inflammation and um, fibrotic response as well. So, um, that's the that's the target is to try and keep this inflammatory state the chronic inflammatory state at bay that needs to be pushed back slightly and uh so forfine does inhibit um nf kappa b uh we measured it in in um urine in a clinical study um measured interleukin 6 which is a canonical target for nf kappa b so uh so forfine does uh inhibit NF kappa B, but there are molecules more powerful. Um, curcumin is kind of high on the high on our list. Yeah, I can talk more about that. I, we should probably let John go, given his. <laughs> yeah, that 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 we only have John for five minutes turned into a twenty-minute. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Yeah. Don't want to get him in trouble. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was, it was great talking you know, to you. John, it was, it was, it was great, great seeing you. Thank you so much. And super impressed with all the work you're doing. And I love that you two have teamed up, you and David, to uh, produce something which I think is going to do remarkable things for people. It's certainly doing incredible things for my patients. So. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's something that fell into our lap with the correct um, circumstances, where you know it's always comes from you know a need, and then someone who's precious to you, and and I mean a lot of powerful things happen from that. That's awesome. awesome. That is PhD John Gilday. Thank you, PhD John. We appreciate yes. it. And uh, we're going to hang out here with uh, David, with, uh, with Brock Elite as well. And certainly appreciate it. We'll have you back on again here shortly. Okay. Sure. Thanks so much. Thanks, awesome. John. Thanks, John. Appreciate your time. Yep. Well, David, I don't know why you've just been sitting there all quietly. I know. I mean, so now this is the, now the, now the backstory. We left with the science. <laughs> yeah. Now let's figure out how in the world you got that guy to sit next to you in the first place. Um, dude, oh, yeah, we're going to resituate since John. Yeah. Move right. around, centering the uh, camera. Nicely done. Nicely done. <laughs> so, David, all yeah. of that science didn't happen for no reason. Yeah. There, there is a, there's a large story that brought you near and dear to what it is that you did to to basically found uh, what is now broccoli. I don't care how far back you want to go, but uh, just yeah. Know. Um, and and. Just for the record, I can talk. I do have a background in science, not like John's, but I can talk probably a, a decent amount about about uh, sulfurafen. But from because um, uh, that's we talk about it all the time. So um, and yeah, the backstory: um, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2012, and um, she was very determined to, to um, treat it naturally. Um, and um, at least not doing chemotherapy. Uh, and so we uh, I did a lot of reading and um, actually met John the, that first week uh, somewhat providentially um, and, you know, would talk to him regularly about, you know, the papers I was reading. Um, Anyway, fast forward, um, you know, Mar uh, her, uh, Mars cancer spread, um, and we were realizing that what we were doing wasn't working. And so we really decided we can't, like, uh, we get, <coughs> excuse me, we can't do a kind of a shotgun approach. We needed to know that some, something was working. And so uh, we ended up getting some of our cancer cells, growing them in this lab we put together um, and, uh, and then um, John created this battery of supplements to, and what he would do is he put um, the supplements on normal cells, the renal proximal tubular cells that we purchased and then also um, uh, the cancer cells that he was able to grow mm -hmm. and the goal was to kill the cancer without killing the normal cells. Um, and so, and so, yeah, sulfurifen uh, was, was a top three in killing Morris type of cancer. Um, went to buy it and then realized it didn't actually, you know, it wasn't out there. So that was when we started growing uh, a lot of um, broccoli sprouts. So 
bro broccoli, by the way, Eric, you said it, uh, it's broccoli sprouts. So we, we, the, the bro broccoli comes from the seed, so we don't actually sprout because it's, it's a, it's a pain. I did it, <laughs> I did it for, yeah, three or four years. I've actually tried to grow it and it makes your whole house smell like. Yeah, well, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, you, have, you have to be committed. So, um, um, but anyway, yeah, so, so we did that and we, we would um, juice them actually. So we would have probably enough, we had enough sprouting material to, for probably 10 families. And so we'd, ju we'd juice them with uh, carrots and ginger and apple, probably not apple, but, um, uh, but everything was fresh. We threw some, we actually, all of the, the seed, you know, seeds that we sprouted, we actually sprouted radish too, because it's, uh, daikon radish is high in, naturally high in marisonase, which converts it. So, oh, so that sure. is yeah. Yeah, everything converts. And then, um, so yeah, we did that for a long time. And, uh, and, and it's kind of John's goal had been, um, to stabilize this because as he says, the literature um, was crying out for a stable form of the molecule. Um, and so he um, kind of you know, we would meet for lunch regularly and he's like, yeah, I think I have a stable form of it. And so can we get it tested? I was like, yeah. So we got it tested um, at a third party lab and found that we had it you know, that he had stabilized it. And uh, at that point, my wife was still alive and was like, we got to, you know, this is amazing. We got to get this out to people because she knew how, you know, how many people really needed it. Um, and so, so, yeah, that was, that's kind of a, a portion of the backstory. So thank you for sharing that with us. So in 2012, Mara, your wife, Yes. Diagnosed. And then as you were trying to treat as a team, meaning a husband, wife, she said, you need to keep doing this. And during the, during her cancer process, you were trying to figure out this stuff. That's pretty, it's pretty emotional and pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, she did ban me from bringing journal articles to bed. <laughs> uh, I, I did that for several weeks and she was like, uh, uh, so, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I have a science background. Um, so what it was, it, it's, you know, if she was going to, she wanted to do it that way. You know, I wanted to support her, the, the our, our, uh, promise to each other was that it, it had to be backed by science. It couldn't just be loosey goosey. And, uh, and so, yeah. And that, that's kind of how actually the, our, our first supplement company, Restore, was was founded because uh, we met um, the doctor who gave it to us, and and we were like, he was like, take this, and I'm like, well, what is it? He's like, well, I don't, I don't know, but it's good for you. And I'm like, kind of gosh, like, you know, I don't, I just met you, um, so um, so actually, um, John was able to figure out what it what um, what it did. Um, and so we, <clears throat> uh, that it, it, first of all, that what it wasn't poisonous, you know, and then second of all, that it actually was really good uh, for you. So um, that was, that was the kind of the, 
genesis of that as well. So, so this all your endeavor into the whole supplement industry started with that, or were you part of the Restore company before? Or Restore was founded through what I just said. So basically, oh. uh, it wasn't even Restore. It was a it was a it was a white uh, unlabeled bottle that with a sharpie worked on it. <laughs> and there's like, take this. And um, I'm like, dude, like, that's, this goes against what we promised each other. This is like, there's no science. Sure. You know, um, and so, you know, I, you, you sound nice, um, but I'm going to figure out what this does before my wife takes it. <laughs> yeah. So, so then we found out that it was actually amazing. And then actually that, that company, uh, um, that company was formed. So were you the CEO of that company? No, no, no. Okay. Were you involved yeah, I, on a business? I was the first employee and then um, helped get it off the ground. Because uh, I also, on a, there's, there's a scientific aspect, which is really fascinating to me. There's the emotional, personal aspect, which is equally fascinating. And then as somebody who also is um, involved on a business side of a supplement company, that's also intriguing to me also. So the um, how, how I made this sort of thing is exciting from that aspect, going from there to here, going from there to have this that I can hold yeah. is always well, so, story. Yeah, we, we would... Um, we would, you know, if you, so you, you, you've grown sprouts, you, they're strong, they're bitter, they, they're awful, actually. <laughs> and so, um, but they're potent, right? And so they're really good for you. Um, and we would juice them. So we, it wouldn't just be like a little, it would be like a, a ton of, and so it was like a massive dose. Um, and, and once John, you know, figured out, uh, how to stabilize it, he, we would basically make these little, um, <laughs> uh, it basically would have a 15 ml. It was, it was a liquid first. It was, and, and, uh, like a shot. It would, yeah. 15 mLs and, uh, uh, of this liquid extract. And then we put 15 mLs of lime juice and a packet of stevia just shake it up and then just down it. <laughs> it's just like, Whoa. I mean, um, so it, it was like awful. And I mean, we had actually another friend of ours um, who really could have benefited from that. Um, I mean, she, she was really sick and couldn't take it. Um, Mark could, she could, she could take it for the longest time. Um, and then, uh, I mean, it just, it, but it's just, I mean, it's, it was awful. So we knew we had to, to transition it into a capsule, but unfortunately that happened after, after Mar died in, in uh, September of 2017. So we, at that point, um, or shortly after that, you know, after we were kind of, we were sh a little shell-shocked, um, kind of got, got it together and then, um, figured out how to dry it and stay, you know, in a stable form. Yeah. So, yeah, if you guys come up to Charlottesville, you have to see, walk in and walk through. It's, when people walk through, we're like, like the no, like we made everything up, like nothing. It, it, it's uh, it's all unique. So, so th that's what makes it so unique, and, and sort of the proprietary thing and how it's stabilized. 
um, is because you guys actually developed the equipment to do this and figure out the process and all of that. Correct? Yeah, we, the more process and piecemeal equipment that's already around. And, yeah. Um, first of all, I'm sorry that your wife passed away and I am commend you to sticking true to your path and having this as her legacy and the millions and people that you could help because this all started yeah. out of out of the goal to help yeah i mean uh, we're we're hopeful that uh people are getting helped and um we do get a lot of testimonials not probably as many as um you guys but they they're starting to come in and um yeah and it's just like all right that's 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 really amazing um to hear people um, and what they, you know, what they, how it impacts them. So, so bro broccoli itself, you're talking about the number of testimonials, the, the brand, the label, the, the name, when did this actually take foot and get into this bottle for it to be available? Yeah, that was, um, we went to market in April of 2018. Okay. Yeah. So roughly two years, because we're, we're in the late part of uh, 2020 on this particular recording. And so in two years, you've, you've obviously linked up with, with uh, Brown and, and his clinic. We've got, I don't know how many patients who've begun to take it now, sleep better, feel better, do better, top to bottom. What, where do you see... How do you see getting the message of broccoli and the importance of, of sulforaphanes as it empowers one's NRF2 pathway? Because it's a lot. I mean, it's unfortunately it's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of words and, and letters that not everybody talks about every day. <laughs> There's we talk about this. There's so many similarities where first you have to explain a very complex, unique pathway that people aren't talking about and we talked about this today we're yeah. like why in the world aren't we talking more about the nrf2 pathway especially in the yeah. setting of immune health and yeah. then the second thing is how in the world you climb over this giant wall of 2000 supplements that claim to do it but we know just like dr john mentioned that glucoraphanin is not a stable sulforaphane so that's hurdle one is I need to explain why this can help you. Hurdle two is I need to explain why the $6 bottle from XYZ company is really not the same thing. And then hurdle three is this is a long play for you. So it isn't that your immediate ankle pain will get better, which is um, it's the society of immediate gratification. So there's lots of similarities when when I deal with medicine and I'm trying to get patients to stick to a regimen or something for a long time, from a business perspective, um, curious how you're approaching that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the great thing about broccoli is a lot of people take it, feel the difference. Um, and John alluded to the, um, the kind of a clinical preclinical trial we were doing or we did on IL-6. And so basically we did a, um, it was a three-day study. Um, and we we um, did a baseline uh, day one, placebo day two, and then broccoli day three, so it was blinded. Um, and uh, um, took the urines. And so basically from, there was no change in IL-6 levels from baseline to the placebo, but there was, um, and basically 24 hours from taking 
the uh, one dose of broccoli a 30% decrease in IL-6 in 24 hours. So that's enough. You can feel it, and that's one dose. One dose decreased. So IL-6 is interleukin-6, which happens to be an inflammatory cytokine, which sets off a cascade that currently many pharmaceuticals are trying to block in this pandemic that we're in because we know that that could be the first cytokine that can set off a cascade. So it's fascinating that by increasing the NRF2 pathway, it just puts everything kind of in balance. So, so yeah, it, it works. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're related, but they're two distinct pathways. Um, so it works with NRF2. It does work with NF-kappa B as well, and which is upstream from or downstream from uh, IL-6. Um, and so, uh, so, yeah, it works in both, and but that's in the literature. And, you know, we, we have done our own internal, but the great thing about sulfurifen is all the, lit- I mean, there are 2000, already 2,000 articles out there. So it's like we don't have to really do anything, unlike with store. We had, to, we had to do everything, you know, but with sulfurifen, it's already out there. And so you don't have to, you know, believe us. We just can share, we just, our main hurdle is showing that it's actually, we have sulfurifen in the, in the bottle, in the capsule. Um, and from, you know, from a marketing standpoint, um, you know, we're about to get over, I think we, we've, uh, it's, it's, it, we don't have a lot of the product because it's a really backbreaking hard it's hard to make um it's and that's why you know it costs so much because it's we're kind of um you know we do most everything by hand and uh we're transitioning as we grow but um you know it's it's hard it's difficult to make and uh and stabilize but it you know but yeah we're doing it and we're slowly um figuring out how to scale it um but right now like we don't want to market a ton because we can't we don't have enough mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we couldn't even supply our city let alone you know sure. and so it, um so yeah right now um we are you know making it as fast as we can and uh um and so yeah the the, the drying process is 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 uh, going from look at the solid is difficult, and we think we've cracked the code on that. And it's not a patented process. It's uh, we decided to keep it trade trade secreted, so it's a trade secret process. Um, so that's hopefully was a good decision. But um, we figured, you know, it had been around with a lot of smart people for a pretty long time, so um, it's probably pretty safe. So something else to think about, and I don't want to make you talk off label about the brand because we know that's not the kind of trouble that anybody wants. So let's just talk about Sofirafins specifically. Um, There is a a different product, I believe it's used over in Europe, correct? That uh, they use for prostate, prostate prostate cancer. Yes, prostatin. Mm -hmm. And then there's also some uh, some pretty deep studies that talk about lymphoma. There is the uh, diffuse uh, B cell lymphoma as well as follicular lymphoma, which actually I've got a cousin who was recently diagnosed with that. So furifins have been shown in repeated um, different clinical trials or uh, studies to essentially 
activate that NRF2 pathway to help those who basically have a, um, a, a managed uh, cancer status. Uh, is that something that else that kind of drew uh, maybe John to it whenever he began to test those cells, the cancer cells with the normal cells to make sure that sulfurifen was one of those compounds? Um, is that what, so your question is, uh, I was kind of rambling. I just now realized that <laughs> you like that. Basically, all, right, all right. Let me give the backstory. Today we were sitting there talking, a cousin contacted him and was recently diagnosed with follicular lymphoma. And then his initial response was, oh my gosh, can taking sulforaphane help that? Then we found some articles which said specifically the treatment of certain Hodgkin's lymphomas and follicular non lymphoma, non-Hodgkin's, non -Hodgkin's, sorry, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, they have looked at sulforaphane looking at that. And so then it was one of those things. It's like, oh, so I called up a couple oncology friends and they were unaware of this. They were unaware of that pathway and sulforaphane being there. And it just, it, it gets us, um, you know, talking where it's like, wow, this is something that the literature is out there. You just have to go digging a little bit. Somebody has done it. And it's, um, it's as in this space with the FDA regulated type thing, it's, as you know, you cannot say certain things, but the, but the, pathway is there he's you're just, not doing he's it. laughing because he knows that it's hard to get <laughs> it's hard it's, it, it's, it, this is what leads to rambling questions and i'm just going to help ken out because now he's rambling and it's okay going down and you're like well i don't so, yeah you, you, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah um so you know i i can say that every cancer is different and that's the bottom line you can have two um, non-Hodgkin's lymphomas, you can have two, you know, breast cancers, which are described medically the same that are completely different. Correct. I mean, they just are. I mean, it's, it, um, and so, um, you know, John's put, um, you know, talking about, um, sulfurifen as a chemical, um, that he got from Sigma. Um, Aldrich, and then ta talking about um, cancer cells, not people, you know, he's put a decent amount of sulfurifen on cancer cells, and, and they typically, it's not 100%, but they typically respond pretty well. Um, and and pathway-wise, um, you know, there, there's, when you have cancer, you feel really bad, and there's a lot of inflammation that's going on that the cancer's shedding, um, and just, just from that, um, a, a product that can help with inflammation would be great. If that was just it, that would, that would be, a, um, you'd feel better, you know? I really like how you said that, where you said each cancer, even if it has the same name, can behave completely different because uh, oncology friends, they've got protocols. And it's, you know, this is this protocol. Oh, this person got cured. This person did not. You do another protocol. Oh, this person did this, and then you start going down. I've never thought of it that way, that just because we're calling it colon cancer, not all colon cancers are gonna respond. And so you're exactly right. Each individual is completely different. I love the way that you guys started the business as a cell-specific line. Yeah. And can we make it as an individual treatment by taking the cells? The fact that you took Mara's cells, put it there, 
with the renal cells to make sure it's non-toxic first, then let's see what works. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's absolutely. That was John. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I I call John the cell whisperer because he can grow like nobody, nobody, I really believe, I I mean, this is not an overstatement. Nobody can do what he can do. Um, And the the fact that he has a, he's just kind of matter of factly. Yeah. I took a buccal swab and measured NRF2. He came up with that. You, there's no nobody like you can read about enough to being measured, but if you read how they're doing it, it's like an ordeal. Like, it, and he has a very quick, quick um, procedure that he came up with. Um, he came up with the um, his background before he went to Hopkins. He actually, if, if you guys remember the um, anthrax scare back in the two, early 2000s. Oh yeah. He mailing of the an- anthrax. Yeah. Yeah. So he came out, he himself designed the five minute anthrax test. Wow. So you could deter you can measure it. So um that's sort of his what he enjoys doing, what he's good at is is tests. Um so what do you enjoy doing? Wow, I I love what I'm doing here. Um people are like, what's your dream job? This is it. Um, I love the science. I love, um, doing something that's worthwhile and we're kind of un- peeling an onion, you know, cause we know a lot, probably, you know, sort of, yeah, we know quite a bit, but we're learning every day, um, every day, uh, about, um, sulfurfin and, you know, different things that we want to be doing with it. Um, and so that's just very exciting. The smartest people are always on a quest for knowledge. It never stops. Yeah. It never, ever stops. But I will say, I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit here, David. And that is that for every guest that we have on the show, we send out a questionnaire and it asks various things like uh, favorite drink and favorite band and different things like that. Uh, uh, David left both of those blank. So I'm going to assign that your favorite drink is flavored Waterloo, which is mine also. And just simply because of John's work, I'm going to say your favorite band is Anthrax. There we so. go. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. So as you're peeling this onion, recently went to your website and you got a few other products. Pretty cool. You guys are using similar technology and a few other which would typically be very unabsorbable uh, molecules. You're doing something cool. We got the Kirk Elite, the Berberine Elite. Am I missing one? Um, those those are ones that we're, we've been working on. Uh, we're just um, applying for the patent for the Kirk, Curcumin one. Um, so that will hopefully with the provisional patent, we'll start releasing that. Um, it's currently not for sale. Um, but then, uh, yeah, so that, that's really exciting. Um, and the, the berberine, so berbelit, which I think we're going to rename, but we'll see. Um, but it's a berberine. Yeah, it's like, what the heck is that? Um, but it's for, you know, blood glucose. So, um, you know, people are in keto, um, you know, just from my background with Mara, I was like the sugar Nazi. I mean, a- every bit of sugar was counted, you know, and so the goal was to have less than 20 grams a day. Um, and so we 
early on. People hate stevia, but or stevia, however you want to pronounce it. But uh, but yeah, we and we didn't like it very much. But now it's just like it's what my kids have grown up with, and we don't. It just no sugar, no sugar. The sugar no is evil. Um, so we're we're just um, so yeah, berberine. Um, especially at night is important because melatonin uh, blocks your ability to, if you have a night meal, blocks your ability to, for the, um, for the glucose to, to process. And so that'll just drop it. Um, and so that's, you know, exciting that, that, uh, so we're, we're actually had that on the market and are doing some more testing to refine it right now. So it's not currently for sale either. Uh, we're a little bit. Well, cell <laughs> cellularly, you're, you're referencing sugar. Isn't, um, didn't they say that NR, the NRF2 gene actually could be uh, uh, mutated more rapidly with, uh, with the refined sugars being present? Isn't that correct? I've not read that. Study. Okay. I don't doubt it. I'm just saying I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with that study. Sure. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, it's pro-inflammatory um a lot of the refined sugars yeah people ask me there's one you know because of the, the cancer with my wife if there's one one um food that you just one that you would uh, recommend stop eating um i love and i get that uh, inordinate amount like i i love the question because um it's quick it's just like high fructose corn syrup. Uh, high fructose corn syrup. Because mm. of the GMO aspect of it, the glyphosate aspect, it's in everything too. So, um, high fructose corn syrup, the one thing I would say, if you worry about cancer, don't, don't eat things with high fructose corn syrup. Um, and a close second is um, soybean oil. Soybean oil. Um, and that's in everything too. So... Today, I just had, I ordered an organic um, hamburger from one of my favorite places in Charlottesville. Um, I said, hold the mustard or hold the mayonnaise and hold the pickles. Um, pickles have high fructose corn syrup. Mayonnaise is made with, um, with soybean oil. Um, if you, the reason why salads are so bad for you, it's not the lettuce, it's the dressing. Dressing, unless it's organic, it's made with soybean oil. Um, and so uh, and when the question comes, you know, I, I give them one thing, but I also give them two things. Um, and the reason both of those items, soybeans um, and corn from that makes high fructose corn syrup are genetically modified. The genetic modification is there so that the plants can receive a roundup and not die. And that kills the weeds and allows, in theory, for a better um, yield of the plants of the uh, crops and most of the glyphosate gets uh, washed away in the rain and stuff but trace amounts get left on the plant and that actually because you know if you if you have one small amount of uh, glyphosate of uh, it doesn't matter but it's in everything and so it, there's this bioaccumulation of, of effect from being exposed to it nonstop and it actually you're a gut, your gut guy. It's insidious with the gut. Um, a lot of, I had actually had some friends move from um, Lebanon, and I, I was like, "Watch out!" 
what you eat here because the food that you eat here, even though it's called the same thing, um, you're going to have gut issues. And they, they did. They're like, ah, David, ha, ha, ha. And then they get gut issues. And then I'm like, uh, seriously. And so they actually started watching what they're eating and, and they were fine. But um, glyphosate, the amount of glyphosate you can get in one um, fast food meal, uh, it can drop your NRF2 pathway 30%. We measured that. Oh. Um, that 30% basically turns off your ability to detox. So glyphosate is basically the mother of toxins. It makes every toxin more toxic. Oh. Um, and so that's, that's one of the pieces of research that John did. Um, glyphosate also, we we're talking about the ability for cells to connect and, um, and, and communicate through gap, gap junctions and um, each cell in the body is connected to other cells through communication network called gap junctions. Those gap junctions um, allow cells to be functionally coupled. They act like um, an organism versus individual cells. Um, and so uh, that's when cells lose their way and become cancerous and that sort of thing. Those cells um, don't communicate and they lose their ability to act like um, in, in the organism. And so um, John also showed that the uh, glyphosate reduces the ability of the gap junctions to communicate um, by 30%, so both 30%. Um, so that's enough that that lack of communication, all sorts of things can go wrong. So we don't need to eat anything that's GMO. We don't need to eat anything with high fructose corn syrup. We don't need anything with soybean oil. Yeah. These are things that essentially what you're saying, David, if I understand correctly, these are things that could exacerbate or even introduce or stimulate uh, cancer growth and cancer cell, uh, the, the, the oncogene uh, gets activated basically when we consume these kinds of foods. There's a, yes, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's bad. It's bad news. Bad news, well, yes. Well, David, thanks for fighting through about uh, three technical difficulties on here. And uh, thank you to Paul for who put all this together and make it seem seamless. Yeah. But um, what, an, what an awesome product. I couldn't be happier for this to have been only product number three that we've brought uh, to uh, KBMD Health. And it's something that I know that Ken and I both firmly believe in. We love what it does for those who... Uh, who use it, including me and my family. And um, just thanks so much for the time. And, and thanks to you and your wife for having the, pe the, the passion to, to do what you did here. Yeah, well, it's my, my pleasure. Um, and looking forward to coming back on um, another point. I do want to throw in, um, I, we were talking about glyphosate. Um, the, the reason we were doing the, the, that research was to show that sulforaphane actually negates, it brings all, uh, it brings NRF2 back. So uh, glyphosate depresses uh, NRF2, but if you do gly the glyphosate and sulforaphane, it brings it back to a normal level. Um, so, so if I go to McDonald's and I say, hold the pickles and the mayonnaise and then i just open capsules of broccoli over the actual hamburger i should be cool right no 
that's a, that's a whole, no, we're not going to, but, um, but, and then also with gap junctions, the communication is reestablished with uh, sulfurethane so that the gap junction function um, gets reestablished. So the, the, that's the reason we were doing that. Those studies was to show the, the insidiousness of the glyphosate, but also that um, not to use it the way you just described, <laughs> but um, that is actually a big deal. So, but yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you guys so much uh, for what you are doing um, and promoting health too. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really fun to talk to bench researcher like Dr. John to talk to you that has um, an extreme passion to get this out there for the right reasons, doing the right science behind it with the right motivation. And then me as a clinician, getting to see the one-to-one -one responses that I get from my patients, it's, it's, it's an honor for me to look my patients in the eye and say, I know these guys did their homework. I feel like we at KBS Research really try and science up um, the whole nutraceutical thing and make sure that OTCs have a lot of science and you are both you guys are shaming me because the science you guys do is thick. insane. Wow. Yeah. That mean. is awesome. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you for everything. Where can, uh, where can people connect with you? Where can they find broccoli and so on? Yeah. Um, so broccoli.com. Um, and um, you can go on there and we have an online a store. Um, so go ahead and buy it there. Um, and we'll, um, that's the best way to do it. B-R-O-C-E-L-I-T-E.com. Yeah, and so I will tell everyone that's listening that as a clinician, I see tremendous effects with this. I am a little bit scared when you were saying it's a laborious process. And when you invited us down, do you intend us to put us to work when we come visit? I mean, hey. it sounds like you invite people to help with the laborious process of getting this done. <laughs> You know, um, no, no, we'll, we'll just uh, take you to some uh, some of our favorite restaurants uh, that have clean eating. Nice. Clean oh, eating and no, and no mayo. Nice. No mayo. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, and, and hopefully um, um, as people are, are listening to this, maybe we can do a coupon code. We talked about that um, as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. If, uh, if you're, if you're catching this uh, podcast through a video or just uh, through someone shared it to you, go to kbmdhealth.com or just gutcheckproject.com. And you can connect not only with us, but David and Dr. John at Broccolite will have all of those things available, both in coupon redemptions, more information, data, data, data is what uh, drives everything that uh, David and, uh, and John do. David, thank you so much. Everyone like and share Gut Check Project episode number 44? 44. 44. 44, yeah.